Grace and peace. God bless you. This is Delisa Fields, and welcome back to Soteria Prophetic Ministries. Today, we're going to talk about seers, those of you who operate in the prophetic gift of vision. Um, we hear a lot about prophets and the prophetic, and, um, you know, prophets typically get, um, you know, they get the platform, um, or we, I guess I should say, but um, you don't hear a whole lot about seers, and it almost makes for some mysticism there where, um, you know, people, God has people that he's um, anointed in the gift of vision. And um, it's just hard sometimes to find, you know, um, you know, uh, biblical insight on that topic. Like I said, you can find um, resources on just about any other of the gifts, but when it comes to the seers, um, we just don't hear a lot about that, and it's unfortunate because in the Old Testament, um, the seers were heavy. You know, God spoke primarily through the seers. As a matter of fact, Samuel, who was um, one of the most respected um, respected prophets during that time, was um, first a seer. So um, you find that there is that progression or maybe a transition that happens um, that can occur that will... Uh, I hate to use the word shift because in the body of Christ, we just, we have worn that word out. <laughs> um, but we do see um, a transition um, that can take place or maybe a progression, I guess I should say, from um, the seer to the prophet. Uh, so I would think that in terms to mean that Samuel went to a more governmental role as opposed to seeing and sharing um you know, what God was revealing to him to a more um, prominent and a more um, influential role as prophet. Because in the Old Testament, of course, especially in Samuel's case, um, he had a, um, as a prophet, he ordained kings. And, and so he sort of helped to shape the political climate of his day. So um, that would set the difference there between being a seer um, and hearing what God is, seeing what God is saying and conveying what God is saying to taking on a more um, governmental role uh, is where I would say that that transition or that progression take place from um, Samuel being a seer to prophet. Okay, we find that the, when he went to do um, ordinations or or bring judgment, um, he was always referred to as the prophet, not the seer. However, when Saul went to look for um, his donkeys, it was the seer. So let's look at a couple of scriptures um, about the seers. Those of you who are seers um, and you just kind of want to know a little more about, you know, what what that means. What, what is your responsibility? What is your role? Um, what's available to you? How do you tap into those realms? How do you know whether, um, you know, which realm you're tapping into? You know, those are some good questions. And then how do you interpret what you're seeing? You know, how do you interpret interpret what you've seen um, as a seer? So let's look at some scriptures, okay? And hopefully we can get some of those questions answered for you. Second Chronicles chapter 33, verses 18 through 19 says, Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh and his prayer unto his God and the words of the seers that spake to him in the name of the Lord God of Israel, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel his prayer also and how God was entreated of him 
behold, they are written among the saying, sayings of the seers. So you're finding here that the seers had a very um, prominent role, as I stated earlier. Um, they had a prominent role. You don't hear a whole lot about that in the New Testament. Um, you mainly are hearing about the apostles and the prophets because this is during the time of the formation of the early church. And so you had a lot of um, governmental things taking place. And when I say governmental, I'm not talking about um, political governmental, but church um, governmental in terms of God establishing order. Um, one day I'd love to do a teaching on um, on that. But um, So in the New Testament, you really see the apostles and you see the prophets. You don't see a lot about pastors. As a matter of fact, I think the word pastor is only mentioned once. Um, at the very least three times you see shepherds with shepherd and pastors interchangeable but you don't see a lot about pastors you see some about the teachers and prof- uh, teachers and they were mentioned alongside the prophets you certainly see the evangelists right but you don't see a whole lot about um, pastors and you don't see a lot about seers now I'm not saying those offices and works aren't um, you know vital to the body of Christ I'm not saying that at all but what I'm saying is, in the New Testament, you got to understand what was taking place during that time. Um, it, the church was being established. And so that time was for doctrine and for um, setting order, you know, so that, you know, building the foundation. The apostles and prophets are building the foundation of the church so that we can build there on it, right? So um, you don't see a whole lot of the seers in the New Testament, but that doesn't mean that God was not using seers. It's just, it just wasn't recorded. Um, you know, even, uh, oh gosh, who was it that prophesied? Um, um, uh, prophet, it was the, um, prophet Joel who said that the Lord will pour out his spirit. Um, and that, you know, we would see dreams and visions and, you know, the prophetic gift would be released. So, um, that has not ceased. Um, those gifts are still in operation. Again, it's just that, and there's the airplane again, but it's just that um, those gifts, the apostolic and prophetic was more needed and, uh, during the time of the formation of the early church. Anyway, praise God. Um, so we see that uh, in the Old Testament, um, God used uh, seers and prophets. So they're different. They're different. However, it's it's all prophetic giftings, all right. Being able to see into the spirit realm and to be able to uh, you know articulate what has been seen, these are all prophetic giftings. However, the prophet, his gift was more vocal. God dealt with him more by the ear, whereas with the seer, God dealt with him by the eye. If you look in the book of Revelation. Um, and you find that even though uh, John was an apostle, he was also a seer. And that book is just littered with um, so many, you know, visual visualizations and, you know, horses and thrones and, and uh, um, you know, vials. So he was he had a prophetic gift as a seer. But the Bible doesn't say the seer saw, you know, it doesn't say that. But of course, we, we can infer that based on context that he had a, rev- a prophetic revelatory gift to see. Um, let's back into the Old Testament. 
Ezekiel was a seer. Daniel was a seer. Uh, Joseph was a seer. Um, Abraham was a seer. Moses was a seer. Um, there's another prophet that I'm looking Jeremiah certainly was a seer. So, you know, again, you know, those terms are interchangeable, but the, the way that you can tell which gift is in operation is by virtue of how it's being manifest. You know, if you're seeing something and you're heavily used, and again, I, you know, I apologize, you guys are not living in the airport, but if you, if your prophetic gift is primarily or heavily used in visions, you know, whereas God is using you to see things or even in dreams, then you have a seer gift. You have the gift of a seer. You have to have the anointing of a seer. It's a prophetic gift, but you have the anointing of a seer as opposed to you're hearing God, um, you know, you're, you know, you're just hypersensitive. You have a hypersensitivity to the voice of God. You can hear God through anything. The, and you're able to, okay, because that prefix prof means to foretell. You're able to hear God and you're able to accurately interpret and share what he's saying. So with the seers, they're seeing it, they're visualizing it, um, but it's not for the whole corporate everything. Whereas the prophet, they hear God, they see God, and they're going to deliver the message to the people. That's kind of the difference. Seers don't work in the governmental realm, uh, but it doesn't mean that their work is less important. We find here that Samuel was a seer, but when it was time for him to step into another realm, into another dimension of his gift or of his calling, then he that was, and I'll give you a scripture, here we go. In um, 1 Samuel 9, 9, before time in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, thus he spake, come, let us go to the seer. Now, listen to listen to what they say. When a man went to inquire of God. So this is not national or, you know, corporate. This is a more of a personal thing. Whereas a person's going to a seer in Samuel's case, who's looking for the donkeys. He went to see, uh, Samuel because Sam, if, when I bring Samuel my problem. And, and this was why also, if you look at that, um, and I, I did a study on that a few days ago, actually, when they went to Samuel, um, Saul didn't, he, he, he respected Samuel's gift so much that he said, I can't go to the man of God empty handed. So again, it's almost as if when in, in the old Testament, when you approached a seer, um, you were asking for personal ministry. It kind of reminds you of how people look for personal prophetic ministry today. You know, they inbox you or call you and they want personal prophetic ministry. Um, but in the old Testament, <clears throat> That when Saul uh, Saul went to Samuel, he said, "I can't go to him empty-handed," because Saul realized that he was going to see uh, Samuel. A bunch of S's, and I got a list, but he was going to Samuel with um, a, requ- a request, and so he wanted to bring a gift. He wanted to honor Samuel, uh, you know, uh, with a gift. And so his servant said, "Hey, I've got some silver. Let's go and, and take it to present to the man of God." And so when Samuel, when Saul approached Samuel. Uh, God had already spoken. All right. And so we see that God is kind of moving Samuel and shifting Samuel because Saul would be the one that would shift Samuel. Is that, if that makes sense to you, Saul would be the one to shift Samuel. Sam, and now that I think about it, maybe that was why Samuel felt so obligated to Saul, you know, because Saul was really the one, um, that, that, that brought the shift. You know, Saul was really the one that brought the shift. Um, so, so maybe, I don't know, I'm just thinking out loud. Maybe that was why, um, Samuel just felt so obligated that no matter how many times Saul messed up, no matter how many, he just felt obligated because maybe that was the fruit of his first works. You know, I, I don't know if anybody can relate to that, but you know, when you put your heart and effort and mind and, you know, trial and error into this one person or one thing, 
you just want it to work out, you know, because maybe you feel as if, and I, I don't know who this is for, but maybe you just feel as if if it, if it doesn't work out, it, it speaks to the validity of, uh, you know, of who you are. And, you know, I just let me just encourage you, you know, you're not responsible. Once you do what God told you to do, you're not responsible for making anything work. You're not a creator. You know what I'm saying? It's God's job. And God doesn't even force anything. You know, we have to submit and be yielded and, and, and comply. So, you know, if anybody's feeling that way, let me just relieve you of that burden that, you know, just because God uses you maybe to, you know, identify a gift in someone to, you know, position them for what God is doing, connect them to, you know, maybe God has used you in that area like God did with Samuel and Saul and God used Saul, excuse me, Samuel to, to bring Saul into his place. You know, Samuel felt obligated to, to kind of babysit him, you know, and patty cake him. And, and let me just relieve you from that. You, that's not your, you, don't take that burden. It's too heavy of a burden to make somebody live right. Ooh, that's a good nugget right there. It's too much of a burden to make somebody live right, to make somebody live up to their calling, to make somebody appreciate and embrace what God is doing. You, you be the example. You provide the support. You provide the resources. You provide the encouragement. But at the end of the day, that person has to stand before God. Okay, and so Samuel, God had to, God had to, uh, um, he had to deal with Samuel about that. Samuel did not; he was so um, sold to the work he had did in Saul that it was hard. Even when Saul was 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 failing miserably and with no hope of repentance at all, he still felt obligated. Um, the Bible said that that thing grieved Samuel to his death, and you know from that Samuel went on and, and, and anointed David. But can you, and, and it happens, you know, in leadership, I can tell you it happens when you have, you know, invested and you have poured and you have, you know, you, you, you've taken parts of your life, days and years of your life. You'll never get that back. You're taking time away from your family. You're taking time from your career or from whatever thing that you were invested in and you poured your life into someone and it just falls to the ground. Right. Um, it, that's very discouraging and disheartening. However, um, you know, you don't want it. You don't want to. Um, knit yourself to that person or thing or situation to, to the point to where God has to say, hey, move on. You know, God has, he's done me like that several times. I'm trying to hold on to people. Trying, God was like, cut them loose. You know, and one time he appeared before me. I think I told you all about it. And he, he was like, get out of the way. Get, listen, move. And so you have to watch out for that. You know, you, you just have to know when you've done all you can do. When you've gone you know, like the song, the, the um, song says, the last mile of the way, you've got to know, okay, because then you can kind of venture into, um, you know, some, some manipulation things, and you know what I'm saying, to where you're manipulating people, um, even though you, it's charismatic witchcraft, you may not even think that you, you, you're doing it, that you're operating in manipulation, but you are, because you're, 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 you're forcing someone to do something against their will. Now, it's different when they're reluctant. You know, because, you know, all of us have, I know I've had seasons where I'm just like, oh, I really don't want to do this, you know, but you know, you're going to do it. Right. And maybe you need a little pep talk and an encouragement, some support, um, you know, and then you'll get up and do it as opposed to someone who just doesn't want to do it. And you still tell them, come on, come on. You know, you can do it. God said you're going to do it. God's going to be angry. Then you have to watch that because that's when you're operating in um, charismatic witchcraft and manipulation. All right. It's a very thin line, people of God. You've got to know the difference. Those of you, if you in senior leadership. You have to know when to push your people and know when to take your hands off. Okay? Because you can't push anyone beyond their will. Okay? Um, 
So praise the Lord. <laughs> so yeah, so first Samuel nine verse nine, the Bible says, Come and let us go to the seer, for he that is now called a prophet was before time called to see. And of course, we're talking about Samuel, and I talk about the transition from there. So as a seer, you can transition from seer to prophet. Jeremiah did. Many of the people of old um did. Uh many of the people of the new <laughs> have done that they you know, it's a graduate process. Um, you know, Jeremiah, when the Lord says, oh, Jer- uh, you know, Jeremiah, what do you see? And, and Jeremiah would see, you know, he would, it was kind of like God was walking him through it. And to the point to where you get comfortable with what you see, you get comfortable. Because listen, as a, as a, as a seer, which was my first works in the prophetic at five years old, I'll never forget. Um, I started seeing things and, um, I just, it, I could not, under- things would turn to pictures right in front of me. Um, so even though I knew you know, well, now I know in hindsight, I know that God was uh, forming me as a prophet. My first works were as a seer. I remember one time, I mean, I've got, gosh, I've got testimonies to boot. But I remember one time I was sitting in my dad's church. I had to be about hmm, maybe 10 or 11, maybe 10 or 11. And um, the spirit of God was really strong. I mean, I, I, boy, I mean, demons were crying out. I mean, it was deliverance taking place and so forth. And I was sitting in the back, um, maybe about four rows from the from the from the front of the church, and um, just sitting there, you know, just waiting for everybody to get up off the altar so we can dismiss. Typical PK, right? And um, all of a sudden, I went into open vision. I was staring at the back of the chair in front of me. And I went into an open vision and I saw the rapture take place. Now, picture this, a 10-year-old kid seeing something like the rapture taking place. And I would never, ever, ever forget it. So I'm sitting there and I saw the Lord descend from heaven, dressed all in white. And I saw the saints of God rising up. It almost looked like a vacuum. If that can get, see, that's, see, that's, uh, that's the seer gift where you're seeing things and as you're talking, you're describing it. That, that's those of you seers. And can I say this? Let me just deviate from one minute. Many times we have children or we ask children, but many times we have children, grandchildren, and, and, you know, you can, if you're, if you're prophetic and if your discernment is working, <laughs> you hadn't shut that switch off, but if your discernment is working, many times you can pick up on prophetic gifts in your children because that's when a lot of that begins to wake up. A lot of it wakes up. Um, in your youth, in Samuel's case, that seer uh, woke up in him. And notice I said woke up because God put put these things in us at birth. And so there are environments that are conducive to that gift growing, budding, nurturing, developing, and being used. The more you use your gift, the stronger it becomes. That's what any, the Bible talks about that by reason of use. You strengthen you um, strengthen your, your muscles, your, your grace, your gifts. So by reason of use, the more you use it. This is why in my church, you know, every Sunday I have my prophets get up, release a word. And, and you would think, you know, and I know I'm all over the place. I'm a prophet. I, I do that, y'all. But, you know, you would think that, you know, you're in a prophetic atmosphere. You're in a prophetic church. And you have a prophetic gift and you have a prophet, you know, who's been walking with the Lord for a minute, pulling that thing out of you. You know, you would think, you know, you would want to do that. But I found in some cases I'm actually having to tell, get up, give a word. Hello. Come on. You know, and and so I don't really know what that is. Um, maybe it's reluctance. It could be fear. You know, some of them are you know struggling with fear and some of them have some mental things, emotional things going on. Maybe some mental things. I don't know. But. 
You know, when you are in an environment that is conducive to growth, there's no limit to what God can do, except you limit what God can do. Okay. You know, Saul, he was, excuse me, Samuel was a, a child. In the temple, even though he was under Eli and was surrounded by Hophni and, and Phinehas, you know, he was still in the temple. You understand what I'm saying? He was, he was, his job was to keep the light on, you know, keep the oil, keep the lamp lit. So that was the, the, the conduit. It, it was the, um, it was the thing that prepared him. And that readied him and that postured him to grow, to hear God. And you knew it had to been God doing it because Eli couldn't even, after the third time, he finally got a clue. Oh, yes, God's speaking to you. So what I'm saying is there are times that there are giftings in you from a child or from your children or your grandchildren that someone needs to be able to identify. All right. And and so and then uh, if you're in a um, nurturing environment, a when I say nurturing, I mean one that is nurturing to you as a prophet or a seal, whatever your gift, in, uh, gift is, and you're in an environment that will invest, you know, will invest, you know, as, as parents, you know, we invested in our children's music, mu- uh, musical abilities. I mean, it's in our bloodline, but, you know, we, we purchase, uh, I can't tell you how many, how many instruments I had purchased over the years. I can't even, I can't. I just, how many microphones and amps and speakers and wire and speaker cables and wires and drums and bass guitars and lead guitars and keyboards on top of keyboards on top of, I, I can't, I can't tell you how many times, you know, I, I don't, I, you know, because you, you, you invent, when you see a gift, again, seeing it, and let me just say this, and pardon me if I'm all over the place, just bear with me, would you? And, and, and just bear with me and learn my spirit, learn how I flow. So, you know, as a child, I noticed in all of my, ch- as, as a parent, I noticed in all of my children gifts. The same way my father noticed it in me, my mother noticed it in me. My mother noticed she saw the leadership in me. So there were times, you know, she would come to me and I'm, I'm the oldest, but she would come to me and, and say, Lisa, what do you think about this? And I'm like, I'm just a kid. You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwich and watch cartoons. You know what I'm saying? I'm not really ready to handle, you know, that. But she saw leadership in me. My father saw the prophetic in me. And so by them investing in me, my mother bought my typewriter. You know, my very first, you know, and now here I am, can't stop writing books. To the point I'm publishing them for other folks. You know, I've got my bookshelf fell on me, collapsed. I've got hundreds of books sitting in the middle of my she shack. <laughs> you know, just sur- it is surrounded by books. My mother invested that in me. She bought a typewriter for Christmas. And, and every Christmas she would always buy books. By the time I was in elementary school, I'm, you know, staying after school. And, and um, we lived behind the school at the time. And I would walk home with a book. Every day with a book. I'm helping my teacher clean up the classroom, and I'm taking books home. At the end of the school year, I'm taking books home. I went to the library one summer and read every book in the young adult section. I read so many books, they gave me an award. <laughs> they had a they had an ice cream party. They had never done that before. I mean, that was an solid work. They had never done that before. Maybe I birthed the book club there. I don't know. I need to go back and check. But, you know, I, I had just always had that love for books. But my parents invested in me because they saw something in me they saw a gift in me, a loved a love to learn a love for learning they saw a love for writing my father saw a love for you know the supernatural the spiritual realm 
Okay. And so as a parent, I'm now because that was I was was raised in a nurturing environment that nurtured my giftings. Now, as a parent, it's easy for me to identify that in my children and in others. One of the reasons why, you know, many people call me mom and, you know, have connected to me is because God has, you know, given me a nurturing spirit. He's given me a, a mother, a, the spirit of a mother to identify, to nurture, to train, to raise up, even to chastise. And I still do it in love. Um, even now, I've got a few phone calls I got to make. But, you know, it's just, God put that in me, but it was nurtured in me from a child. OK. And so in my children, I saw that I saw that things in them as a seer. I saw things in my children and I invested in that. My son, I saw that he loved music. Whenever my dad would play bass guitar and lead, my dad plays about nine instruments. And my son would just sit there and just, my older son would just watch with amazement. I mean, the church is going on and he's just stuck staring at the musician uh, section. So what did I do? Purchase him a guitar, purchase him a keyboard, purchase him microphones and things. And now my son has played with the best of them. I mean, he's played behind, you know, I don't like to, I don't like the name drop because, you know, praise God. But he's played behind some names. If I name them, you'd know them. You know, when, whenever they come to Charlotte to do conferences or they're doing concerts, he's playing for them. He's in the background. He's in, I've got pictures, videos and things. You know, he travels just about every weekend. So what, what, what happened with that? There was a gift in him. His mother, being a seer, was able to see that and invested in it. All right. So going back to to what I was telling you far as being um, uh, in my dad's church, um, you know, the spirit of God was really high. And I saw the uh, a vision of the rapture taking place. Like I said, I saw Jesus descending in white and I saw the saints of God being whisked away. It was like a vacuum. I mean, you're talking about in a moment of a twinkling of an eye. I literally saw that happening. And during that time, you know, I didn't make it. And so I started screaming in the middle of the church. If you can imagine, now as a pastor, I can look back and just like, okay, you know, that was strange because deliverance was going on. So I don't know, you know, I mean, my dad's a prophet too, so I'm sure he knew what what was going on. But can you imagine (laughs) you've got deliverance, you know, taking place at the altar, demons crying out. I mean, people slither like snakes on the floor. And because um, during that time we were, our church was located like in a rough side of town. So, man, you would see drunks walking through the door, prostitutes, the anointing would draw these people in, y'all. And we would see the power of God hit these folks, drop them to the ground, and you'd see demons coming out of them, frogs, snakes, all kind, all kinds of stuff. That was my childhood experience. <laughs> Powerful, I thank God for it. But you know, when he heard me screaming. He rushed to the back and listen, I was so caught up in the vision. I don't even, this is what my friends told me. I don't even remember how I got from the church, from the sanctuary to the back of the church. I don't even remember. All I know is I saw that vision and in the vision, I was trying to jump and my humanity would not allow me to, to, to be raptured. Okay. And I'm screaming because I'm seeing people leave the earth and I couldn't make it. And oh my God, I screamed and I hollered and I started crying because I said, I want to go to Jesus. I want to go to Jesus. And my dad ran to the back of the church, picked me up and, I mean, ran, you know, to my uh, rope, picked me up, carried me to the back. At least that's what I'm told. And it took me a minute 
to come out I could not come out of the vision it was so lucid it was so it was surreal I could not come out I could not it could it took a minute for me to come down you know like Paul said you know coming out of the third heaven it took a minute for me because it was so intense and when I finally came to myself and he you know he was sitting there he's like daughter you know what, what did you he wasn't even panicked he's daughter what did you see Ooh, I feel your presence, God. He said, daughter, what did you see? And I, and I said, daddy, I said, I saw Jesus coming. I saw people going up and I didn't go with him. You know, I didn't go. And so he had, he walked me to the front of the church and I told the people what the, uh, what the Lord had showed me. And, and can I tell you something as a seer? Do you know people got saved that night? I probably was one of them. <laughs> I probably was, I was a PK, but I wasn't saved. I was just there because it was my daddy's church, you know, helping to clean up and usher and all of that, you know, stuff that PKs do. And, um, but that, on the, that vision, and I'm saying to you seers that when I got up to share that vision, um, people gave their life to Christ at night. People got saved because they recognized this little child is, is, it saw something so powerful. It shook her and, 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 you know, there's a possibility that if she says she couldn't make it and she's the apostle's daughter, I can't play. That night, people gave their life to Christ. So as a seer, you know, what God shows you, some things will shake you. Some things will leave you trembling. When Daniel saw the vision, um, I can't remember what it was. Oh, God, I should have had my scriptures and things with me. When Daniel saw the vision... Um, the Bible said it, it troubled him, right? And I'm just going off of memory now. I don't have the scripture in front of me. But it, it, it troubled him so much. He was asking God to explain it. Give me clarity on what he, he saw so much trouble come. He said, I need clarity. And this is when he started seeking God from the vision that he had seen. He started seeking God and the prince of Persia came and fought the answer. It fought the revelation. So as seers, understand that some, many times you will have warfare because of what you see because the, the enemy does not want you to release it. Remember I told you my testimony at 10 years old that my father was able to, to you know, uh, uh, um, guide me into sharing it. And so as a result of that, people gave their life to, to Christ at night. But not every environment is friendly. Daniel was in Babylon, y'all. He was in captivity. He was serving Nebuchadnezzar. So he was not in a prophetic or seer-friendly environment. And many times you will find warfare, um, you know, a... Uh, 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 a, you know, seasons of warfare in your life, experience in your life, because the environment that you're in is unfriendly. You're in hostile, hostile territory, and the enemy doesn't want you to release what was said. So, you know, that's what happened with Daniel. But in a case like that, don't get all despondent and discouraged. Well, you know, I guess I can have to hold on to this vision forever. No, you don't. What you do is you pray it through because you know the answer needs to be released. It needs to be revealed. You know that what God is showing you is so important to the body or to whoever you need to release that thing too, you pray it through and you ask God for doors of utterance and you don't stop. Daniel prayed for three, 21 days. He didn't stop. The God was, was releasing the revelation, was bringing you know, the answer. And when the angel came, he said, Daniel, you're a man greatly beloved. Greatly beloved. Come on to somebody. Seers are greatly beloved. And the prophets, we're the friends of God. <laughs> the apostles with the Lord's battle axe. We do battles. Come on now, somebody. You know, but <clears throat> but with the with the uh the seers, you know, greatly beloved of God. You know? When you think about um who was it? was it Methuselah? Um was it was it was it was it was it that walked with God? Mm -mm, that's not 
Hold on, let me check. It was Enoch. Enoch walked with God. And, and, and God was so delighted in Enoch that God just took him. <laughs> you know, he walked with God. Enoch spent time in the spirit realm with God until he was translated. Elijah was translated. Okay, Moses, God just took him on, you know, just took him on and buried it by himself. So, you know, when you when you walk with God like that, you have to expect the supernatural to be a thing of normalcy. And I, I think this is another area where seers get um, intimidated when they see things and they, they, they shut it down, especially, again, when you don't have that nurturing environment. You don't have a seer friendly environment. Now, let me take you back to Samuel. Um, when the Lord first called Samuel, Samuel, uh, went to Eli because, you know, and that's what you do. Okay. <laughs> you go to the person in authority and you confer with them. This is what God is showing me. This is what God is doing in me. This, especially when you don't know, right? You go to your person of authority and you share with them what God is revealing or what God is, is doing with you. And then that person should be in position to help navigate you to what you need to do next. All right. Um, there was another scripture that just came to mind when, when Saul was, um, on the road to Damascus and the Lord told him to go to, um, uh, I think it was Ananias. He went to, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, he said, go show, go show yourself there. So he showed him, the Lord told him to show himself to Ananias. Right. So you need people, you know, I know we have those that I only hear God, I only report to God. But I just I just encourage you to search the scriptures and just see what the what the word of God has to say about that. Um, so, uh, yeah, so Samuel went to Eli thinking that Eli would help navigate him and show him. And that didn't happen on two occasions. Thank God that on a third time, Eli finally got a clue. OK, otherwise it, that gift could have been shut down. But I believe God would not allow that because it was time for Eli's judgment or for the house of Eli to fall, basically. So, um, you, you, again, you know, like I said, you find seers a lot in the Old Testament in First Chronicles chapter 21, verses 9 through 11. And the Lord speaking to Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and tell David, thus saith the Lord, I offer three things. Choose one of them that I may do it to thee. So Gad came to David and said to him, Thus saith the Lord, choose. All right. So um, you see that the Lord is, is speaking to David's seer. I don't know what that looks like. Um I don't know how, you know, I don't know what that looks like. He said, I offer him three things. So maybe, and again, I'm just speculating here, maybe three things appeared, you know, like he did with Peter. There was a vision that Peter saw a vision. Three things appeared to, um, to Gad, uh, for the sake of what David needed to do. Uh, and then Gad went and approached David with that scenario. Um, first Chronicles 25 verse five, all these were the sons of Heman, the king's seer. So you find that David had several seers around him, not just when he had prophets and seers, right? And so those seers, they helped to guide him. They helped, uh, and I, I said it, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, but talked about how, um, you know, uh, influential David's kingdom was. I was talking about the, the, his, um, what did I talk about? His men of valor, 37 men of valor, three of them were um, his, his, you know, chief men. Right. The captains of the guards and he had a bodyguard and so forth. So when you got that many men of valor, you know, that's assisting you in the natural realm, then you also need to make sure that you got some folk watching you, covering you in the spiritual realm, uh, too. Okay. You need balance. 
So um, the Bible talks a lot about the um, the seer in Second Chronicles nine twenty nine and twelve fifteen. The Bible talks about Edu. I hope I'm pronouncing Edu. Um, he's mentioned as a seer. Uh, none of his Bible doesn't mention any of his visions, but it talks about Edo the seer. Um, and also in Second Chronicles twenty nine verse thirty, it talks about Asaph the seer. Um, and in Psalms fifty and in Psalms seventy three through eighty three, Asaph, which we know he was a worshiper, he was um, many of the Psalms. We think David wrote all the Book of Psalms. He did not. There were some Psalms that Moses had written, you know, that they had narrated, and um, that Asaph the seer and worshiper had written. So David did not write the entire book of Psalms, all right? Um, let, let's talk about Habakkuk for a minute. Habakkuk 2, 1 through 3, because um, as a seer, you can also, like Daniel, remember I talked, told you about Daniel, how Daniel saw this vision, it troubled him, it disturbed him, and he sought the Lord for clarity on it, and then there was a response. Heaven responded. As a seer, understand that heaven, if, if you know how to press in, if you're not intimidated, listen now. <laughs> Let me just advise you, there are some things that you can see in the spiritual realm that if you are easily intimidated, you yourself will shut that gift down. Think about Ezekiel. Ezekiel saw this beast with eyes round about. Ezekiel saw wheels in the middle of wheels. I always encourage my seers at, at, at my church, study the, the seers, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, uh, uh, Jeremiah, study the book, and, and of, of course, Revelation, so you can understand what that looks like. You know, nothing wrong with buying some of these books out of here, and I, I've got a couple of them myself on the shelf, um, and I've been writing one for years, but there's nothing like going to the to the source. There's nothing like going to the source and seeing that thing for yourself and, and looking at their examples, right? Matter of fact, let me read one to you. This is about a woman of God. Let me read uh, an example that I found. Of a vision she had seen. Let me read this to you. Her name is Ruth Ward Heflin. Let me let me read this to you. She said, "I saw a vision while we were praising and worshiping." Let me stop right there. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Do you know how many? I can let me talk about me. I can't tell you how many times I have seen visions in times of praise and worship. This is why many times. Um, and I, I've been a worship leader for many years. I've sung on the choir. I've done all that. I've always, uh, you know, had a gift to sing. But I'm in a place now, especially my my these years, where when I'm worshiping, I just want I, I close my eyes. Because let me tell you something. You know, it, 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 the spiritual room is so sensitive. That's why the spirit, Holy Spirit, came as a dove of Jesus. When you look at what a dove represents, a dove symbolizes a very uh, he's he's easily frightened. Now, I'm not saying the Holy Ghost is easily frightened. Please, uh, that's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about what is symbolic of is easily um, uh, uh, jilted. You can easily, the Spirit of God can easily lift off of you. You know, that's why David cried, don't take your spirit. Don't lift your spirit off of me. The Spirit of God can lift off of you. And, 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 and you know, you'll even recognize that for those of you who minister and preach, you know when the Spirit of God is lifting. You know when the dove is leaving. You know, and, and, and your message is no more what God is saying. It's what you're saying. It's coming out of your own self. So you got to know when the dove is leaving. Okay, that's a whole nother message. But anyway, so when I'm in worship, I love to close my eyes and, and just block everything out. I, I'm, You know, I, of course, I'm watching the leader and I'm watching the musician because they'll change in a minute. 
you know. And um, you know, my church members know I'll be on the wrong uh verse or whatever, and I'm like, okay, all right, I'm jumping back in. It's no, it's really not a big deal for me at all. Um, but because I'm so caught up, you know, you you just get caught up in worship. And many times I'm caught up in worship, and I hear God. Oh, I see God. I see God shows me things about people, about situations. It's just amazing. And so in praise and worship, seers, if you want to activate that realm, you can do that. You can get into a place with God, especially when there's some good, strong, when the anointing is strong or when the worship, you know, is, is really strong, what have you. And you can get into that place and the spirit realm will open up to you and you will see some beautiful, beautiful things. So let me get back to her vision. I just want to point that out. That you can activate your seer gift. In worship and praise and prayer, Dave uh, Daniel uh, activated his in prayer while he was praying. Okay, when when while you're meditating, Ezekiel was at dinner. <laughs> you know, at some point in bless Samuel's heart, he was asleep. Right, that thing woke him up. So you know, these experiences are so powerful, and um, you know, when you get used to it, like I said, use those gifts. Uh, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. And it's such a beautiful experience that you just want to share it with people. And the more you share it, the more you in- will encourage people and the more your gift will strengthen. All right. So she said, I saw a vision while we were praising and worshiping. I saw, as it were, a tall forest. It was very beautiful and full grown. The trunks of the trees stretched upward and all their branches were spread. There were small saplings coming up underneath these trees, but the larger trees had grown so tall and wide that the small saplings had no room to grow. Suddenly I heard a clap of thunder, and I saw a finger of lightning come down and set the forest to fire. Then the Lord said to me, see how I, see how vivid her, her, her vision is? Because I've given you biblical examples, and you can read that, but I want to actually give you the example of, of a seer, you know, a modern-day seer. Um, Bob Jones was a powerful seer. A matter of fact, it was Bob Jones who prophesied to me and said, "I see ink pens from heaven." That when I my first when I first opened my publishing company, that was my theme: ink pens from heaven. I think I've got it on some of my books. That's what he prophesied to me that there would be ink pens that that um what what's he he said that my books that I had to give what is what did he say? Jesus, that was so long ago that I had the ink pen of heaven. That's what it was, right? So uh, he saw that beautiful, beautiful thing. So, but see how she's describing it. So as seers, and, and I was saying earlier about children, many times our children come to us and say, you know, um, I have a friend and, you know, and, and it's an imaginary friend. And let me tell you something now, that kid <laughs> it may not be making that stuff up. This may be the only way they know how to articulate what they had seen. And I, I'll share with you my experience when I was five, when the CRM first opened up to me, I was at my grandmother's house in South Carolina. My mom was in New York and um, it was my brother and me. And um, we were just sitting right at this little brook right beside her grapevine, just being kids. I'm five and he's four or three or something. I don't know. And um, I know I was five. And all of a sudden, I saw the hand of God from heaven reaching out. And if any of you read any of my books, I, I put this in some of my books. I saw the hand of God reaching toward me from the heaven. A cloud turned into the form of a hand and reached down toward me. And so I'm just staring Right. I'm just there because I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And all of a sudden, a clown appeared and he kind of put you in the mind of like the Joker clown with the um, I can't describe. I can't tell you. I don't know what the name of the hat is, but I can't describe it. And that's another thing with a see is sometimes you can't describe what you see. You just have to do the best you can. Right. Um, with the Apostle John in the book of Revelation, he said this, it looks like a barrel. It looks like sapphire. It looks like, you know, you you can the best that you can do. 
is to ascribe human terms to it, but it's spiritual. You still can't come close to what you're seeing. You know, Ezekiel said it's got eyes all around. It's a wheel in the middle of it. One's got a, a face of an ox. The other one has an eagle face. And I mean, you do the best you can, you know, with, 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 you, with your human intellect trying to describe what you see. But so this clown appeared to me. It was kind of a sinister looking clown like that of a joker. And he started dancing in front of me, dancing in front of me. And it was enthusing to me as a kid. And he said, um, don't serve God. He said, serve the devil. And, you know, he said, you don't you don't want to serve God. Now, this was immediately after I had seen the hand of God reach down toward me. Immediately that clown came dancing in front of me. Oh, this was all in the vision. You don't want to serve God. Serve me. He's dancing, you know, like you would entice a kid. And um, and then all of a sudden I heard the, I heard the Lord. Like he, it's like he superimposed over the devil. And he said, tell, tell, he said, tell the devil, we will not serve you. And he was speaking for me and my brother. We will not serve you. We will serve God. This was at five years old was my first supernatural experience. Later on, um, I was maybe seven or it was a couple of years after that. Or maybe, maybe 11. I don't know. <laughs> it was somewhere between seven and nine, somewhere around that. It was before that rapture incident. I'll tell you that. And um, we, I went to a vision. I was looking outside, and I saw that I was in this car. And in this car, it was driving fast. I mean, it was zooming down the highway, highway, but it was in driving in total total darkness. And behind the car was flames of fire. And and I, I jumped up and I was you know had told my dad what I had I think I called him and told him what I'd seen, and he said it he said it was hellfire, that was it was like consuming people it was chasing people and, and the, these were people held captive in darkness and hellfire was on their heels and they didn't even know it, so I saw hell, you know there was one time I was studying um and I was about I was in my early this is when I first started studying the word for myself I was 13 years old I would never forget it. And I started studying the book of Revelation, of all things, by right? a 13-year-old <laughs> studying Revelation. And um, one night I looked out my window, because I just, my eyes, it was so much, and I was kind of, my eyes were tired. And I looked out the window, and it was pitch dark. And all of a sudden, the sky lit up. It looked like the middle of day. I mean, it, it was just the glory of God just expanded across the night. And it lit up like day, and I saw the glory of God. And it shocked me because, like I said, I had been reading and re- I just couldn't put the book down for nothing. And I had been reading and I had been reading. I finally laid my Bible down and just looked. I don't know why. I just looked out my window and the Lord, he just, it's like he splashed his glory for me to see. And I hurry up and shut my curtains. I hurry up and shut my curtains, turn my light off and went to sleep. I was like, okay, this is just too much, you know. But that was what I had been studying the word of God. It, it, once God showed me, showed me that. I saw the glory of God after studying the word at 13 and I'm in my mid forties. I've been studying God's word ever since. There's another time I'll tell you, I've got plenty. Another time I was um, in my early twenties. I may have been 20. Let's see who was born. <laughs> so I had been about 22, 22, 23. I had had just had my oldest son and um, I was in my room at night. I would just after, you know, the kids would put the bed or what have you house is quiet I would lay on the floor in my room and I'd have my concordance. I had my Bible and other um, study guides and we just study. I just always love studying the word. And at this particular time, I was studying the book of Acts. I was studying um, Acts chapter two. Uh, actually, I was reading on the day of Pentecost and I used to read out loud. It's kind of like to my, like I'm talking to you guys to read out loud. 
And all of a sudden, um, no, I was sitting on the side of my bed. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I was sitting on the side of my bed and uh, was just reading it. And it had been like maybe one, two o'clock in the morning, uh, just reading it. And like was totally, totally absorbed. And all of a sudden, a wind came through my bedroom wall. A wind came through my bedroom wall. And it was so strong, it nearly pushed me off my bed. And so I had to hold on. I had one hand on the on on the wall behind me and I had my other hand on my um what I have what was it my nightstand trying to keep from being trying to keep from being pushed off the bed that's how strong that wind was and it was the wind the same wind that I was studying in Acts chapter 2 I experienced it in my bedroom and when you're talking about the it filled the house that wind was so strong I started speaking in tongues and I'll say, wow, God allowed me to experience what happened on the day of Pentecost. It was powerful. Do you hear me? So anyway, let me get back to this woman's vision. So suddenly I heard a clap of thunder and I saw a finger of lightning come down and set the forest to fire. Then the Lord said to me, this is a prescribed burning. It is prescribed so that the dross can be burned away and then the new growth can come in. He says to you tonight that without the burning off of the old, the new cannot be filled. I want to stop there because she goes on. I don't want to take more time. But she, first of all, she tells you what she saw. I see these trees and then I see the saplings. And the saplings did not have room to grow because the trees were so tall and wide that it, it was taking up room. And then she heard thunder, right? And so the thunder came and after thunder came lightning. And then she talks about how the lightning started to fight. It was an intentional fire. So, um, oh my gosh, this is so powerful. Let me, let me just read the rest of you. So she said, he says to you tonight that without the burning off of the old, the new cannot be fulfilled. This is the night. I prophesied this to us too. How about that? This is the night that you will feel the fire burning within your soul. God will take away all the debris and the dross. And when the prescribed burning has stopped, the forest will be filled with new growth. Hallelujah. It will be filled with new life. It will be teeming, the Lord says, with life. If the fire does not burn, new growth cannot come forth. I release that prophetically over each of us uh, today. That the fire, this fire is an intentional fire. And that there are things, and one of my daughters, she's a seer too. She releases too, that God is saying he's getting, he's breaking off the old. God is breaking out the old. And so God is doing some things right now that seems, um, it, it, it seems mysterious. And God is moving in some, some ways that he's moving in some mysterious ways right now that we don't understand. Excuse me. But it's prescribed and it's intentional. And there's a burning that has to take place. There's a burning in our hearts. There's a burning in our lifestyles. There's even a burning in the way that we administer service to the king. I hear the Lord say, there is a burning that has to take place because there are new saplings. It's time for the old trees to move out the way. Old trees can represent religion. All right. Old trees can represent old ways of doing things. You know, that saying we always did it like this. Why do we have to change? God said change is necessary. It is necessary. It is time for the new saplings, the new, the, the new trees to come forth. God said make room for the new trees to grow. Many of us are old trees are just in the way. Just in the way. Just old, taking up all the, 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 the roots, the, all, taking up all the nutrients, taking up everything. So God is sending that purging fire, purifying fire. And can I just say something? And this maybe, I don't know. But I've been seeing a purging and purifying fire for mm, almost a year. I had been seeing a purging 
and this is my first time really I, I just this word is in, influencing me to say it but this is the first time that I publicly said it but I have been seeing a purging and a purifying fire for about a year and now it finally makes sense it is an intentional blaze don't you love the spirit of God and he just spoke to me out of this. Listen, I don't know if you guys got anything out of this, but I just got my answer. I feel like Daniel. <laughs> Daniel waited three weeks. I've waited for a year. God, when the, where did this fire come from? And how much more is what's going to be left? And so he is, oh, I got to give God a praise for that. There has been an intentional blaze set. There has been an intentional blaze set. Now, I just took y'all into my thought process. When God speaks to me, that's what I do. I repeat it back to him probably twice. And then I say, hmm. And I kind of rub my chin and just kind of sit and think. That's my thought process. If you want to know what that looks like, you just kind of, you saw it. <laughs> so um, I'll table that for my own personal devotion. But he says, the, uh, if the fire does not burn, the new growth cannot come forth. And I saw, as it were, she's continuing on, that the fire crackled and it popped and it went throughout the forest, devouring everything in its path. When it had settled down, the Lord spoke to me again and said, instead of a cloud of smoke, there is now a cloud of glory. And you will walk in that cloud of glory. It is a new cloud of glory that you have never walked in before. It brings new growth and new anointing. I have also prepared for you new stretching. God, that's my word right there, Lord Jesus. I have also prepared for you new stretching. And when you leave this place, you will not leave as you came. Hallelujah. You will leave with a newness of life. You will be teeming with the life of God, with the glory of God, such as you have never felt before. I feel the presence of God so strong. And you will be sent forth again and again. Lord, this is my word. Says the Lord, the fires of my glory that I send with you into the nations of the world will not be put out. They are prescribed by the hand of your God. And as you go forth, you will do great exploits and the newness that I'm bringing forth in your life. Now, this is this is a seasoned seer, a seasoned seer. So don't get intimidated by, well, I'm not really, you know, in that flow. I don't really know how to describe that's you're a babe in that then. And it's OK. That means you have tremendous potential for growth. <laughs> OK, that's all that that means. Never be discouraged. Let me see how much time we got. Never be discouraged when, um, you, you know, you your your gift is not. First of all, Robert said he did compare one with another is not wise. He that compares one with another is not wise. It's not wise. Only fools compare each other. Okay. Your gift is your gift is unique to you. Don't ever compare. You know, you don't know what somebody's walk look like. You don't know how long they've been. You know, I'm young. I'm still young. Praise God. I've got plenty of years left in my life. But I've been in this way for a very, very, very long time. Very long time. So, you know, you don't compare yourself with others. You know, your walk is unique. Your walk is individual. Your walk is personal to you. So if you're not where this seer is, at least you know that you can. That, listen, if you can see where someone else is, that should give you a, a, a ruler to know that I can get to that place, too. So don't ever compare yourself and please don't compete. This competition is, is ridiculously stupid. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because it's too much work to do. Why would you compete with somebody? Why? Why? You have KFC, McDonald's, Burger King, um, Cookout, uh, Sonic, Checkers, and all these other, and they Pizza Hut, all on the same block. You know, all on the same block, doing their thing, maximizing their glory, maximizing their potential. 
So stop competing with people and just do compete with yourself. That's my thing. I compete with myself. Okay. I compete with my yesterday self, my yesteryear self. That's who you compete with. But comparing one another, yourself with another, the Bible says not wise. All right. Don't do that. So if you see where somebody is and they're more seasoned in their thing, then learn, learn from that. You know, instead of trying to compete with it and trying to take from it, learn. You know, the Bible said, mark the perfect man and behold the upright for the end of that man is life and peace. Then you watch that person's life. How did they get to that place in God? Let me just watch. You know, let me be a mentor, a mentee from afar. Let me just be a, a, a pupil, a disciple. Let me just learn. Because you can get there. Okay? I'm following my apostle. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm on his heels. He's doing great things in the kingdom. And I know my time has not yet come. Right? I'm still raising kids. I've got, what, two in college. I'm finishing up. You know, degrees and stuff. I've got a, you know, my baby girls graduating. I've got things going. I don't have time to be, you know, riding on, driving on. I, don't, I can't do that right now. So for me to say, well, I must not be an apostle to the nations because, you know, I don't get to go every week. It's not my time. Know your time. My time is to be home. I'm raising a family. It's ain't time for me to get out. Then I want to say I'll graduate college and, and, you know, marry somebody that God is sending them. And, you know, then I'll take off. You know, the roadrunner won't have nothing on me. But right now it's not my season and I'm okay with it. I don't have to conjure up a conference to feel relevant. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I have to put, make time for the, those that I do do. So don't compete. When is your time? It's your time. All right. I often talk about David. When it was David's time, it was David's time. Nobody could stop him. When it was Saul's time and he's trying to murder people, God said, you know what? Today is your day. Damascus is for you. <laughs> You'll never do that again. You will never murder another Christian again. Never. Today's your day. You know, your t- when it's your time, your time will come. People got stopped stressing. Some of you are operating in spirits of anxiety. You, you frustrate yourself because, you, you know. You ain't frustrating God because, listen, God is not going to respond to your emotions, to your frustration, to your temper tantrums, to your attitudes. He doesn't respond. Let me just help you. And and let me help you with this, too. You can further delay your seasons by complaining and ask, ask the children of Israel. You can miss God with all the promises he had intended for them. Talk about prescribed. He had prescribed a breakthrough for them and they miss it. You can miss God with your anointed self, being anxious, being being um worrying you know being frustrated all the time being confused all the time having it, everybody and their cousin in your ear and you going around in circles you don't know who's god you can't tell god from a from a monkey you know you just don't know i, I just don't know i why don't you know why don't you know get people out of your ear and get into the word of god and hear god for yourself we're too grown for this stuff now we're too old when you, i was a child i speak as a child when i was a child i needed my father to hold me by my hand and and help walk me through visions and help my, i don't need i mean i praise god we still walk together and minister but i'm just saying i don't need him to walk me to the front of the church for me and hand me the mic <laughs> I've, I've matured beyond i'm the one handing mics out now so when i'm a child i spoke as a child i acted like a child but when i you know when i'm a man I, adult mature you put away childish things so it's time to put away childish things. We want adult gifts. We want mature gifts, but we're yet acting like children. Paul said, I can't even talk to you as, as spiritual. I have to talk to you as basic because are you yet carnal? <laughs> he said, you're still carnal. You're still in the flesh. You're still envying. You're still fighting. You're still contending. You're still gossiping. You're still causing problems. You, he said, are, he said, are you spiritual? Are you spiritual minded? Are you ready to have this conversation? Are you ready to go to this next this next level in God? 
He said, I can't even talk about things like that with you because you're yet carnal. You won't understand what I'm saying. You won't get it. The carnal mind is enmity against God. It can't please God. He that is in the flesh cannot please God. Okay? So you have to, you want grown up gifts, grown up breakthroughs, and you got to be grown up. All right? You got to grow. You have to mature to that place. And trials and tribulations are there. Jesus learned obedience by the things he suffered. Suffering. And that's, it's good for you. David said it was good that I was afflicted. <laughs> Afflictions is good. Does it feel good? No. My God, it feels like you're about to die. <laughs> but, but it's going to work out for your good. So don't give up. Stop backsliding every week. Stop giving up every month. And just put your hands to the plow and quit looking back. Every time you look back, you, you listen, when you look back, the clock goes back. Think about it like that. When you look back, come on now. When, when you, when you turn back, you turn your clock back. You step, you step your breakthrough back. You do that. It's not the devil. We give the enemy too much power. We trample over him. Now, why is the enemy ruining, running your life? Tell why. If God is Jesus, is Lord and Savior, King of your life, sitting on the throne of your heart, why is the devil in charge? Something is wrong. So I'm coming off of this. We talked a little bit about Sears. Um, let me give this last one about Habakkuk because I gave you that woman's vision. But let me tell you about Habakkuk and then I'm going to let you go. Um, Habakkuk 2, 1 through 3. I will stand up on my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say. So Habakkuk disciplined himself, right, to expect that when he saw something, he expected God to talk to him out of that experience. And that's what Daniel waited on. Daniel was waiting on God to talk out of that experience. This woman's vision that I showed you, she saw the vision and then the Lord talked, spoke to her out of that experience, brought clarity, brought explanation, brought, uh, 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 you know, insight. So that's the point you want to get to. Not the Lord is showing me um, a tree. It's real tall. Period. (laughs) That's wonderful if you're just starting out. But now if you, you know, you let's get, let's grow, you know, let's grow on and, and, you know, and ask questions. Why are you showing me this tree, Lord? You know, what, 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 you know, what, ask God questions. What, which, which tree is this? Um, what is the attributes of that tree? Does this tree have fruit? You know, what, you know, you know, what does that tree look like? Which air, which regions does the tree grow? Ask questions about things that you see in your visions so that you can grow your gift. All right. So Habakkuk said, I will watch to, let me go back. I will stand. First of all, you got to be still in God. Seers have to be still in God. Some of you, the issues that many of you seers have is you don't know how to be still. And let me just help you. <laughs> be still. <laughs> be still. Every vision, uh, visualization, every visionary experience the seers have had, they were still. They were still. They were quieted in their spirit. Remember, I told you the Holy Spirit is easily, um, what's the word I want to use? He's sensitive, hypersensitive. So he's not, listen, he's not going to come and miss all of that noise and mayhem and confusion. No, you're not going to have a visitation. Not like that. Mm-mm. Elijah was waiting for God to speak out of a tornado and all of this noise and he came as a still small voice alright when Moses saw the burning bush this was a vision 
And the Lord spoke to him out of the vision. He drew near. The Lord said, take your shoes off, son. The ground where you stand upon is holy ground. All right. In other words, take your shoes off. Take off your experience. Take off all your what you think. Take off your analytical skills. Because what you're about to see in here is not going to make any sense to you at all. Take your shoes off. And some people literally took that to mean, you know, <laughs> praise God. Put your shoes on, please. You know, that that was that was different. But you keep your shoes on. Okay. Um, but in Moses' case, God said, take off your shoes. You're, you, you're wearing the shoes of weariness. Boy, come on, Holy Ghost. You're wearing the shoes of weariness. You're wearing the shoes of your past experience. You're wearing the shoes of discouragement. Take them off. You're in a holy place now. Don't bring that here. That's what that means. Okay. Some people say, oh, it's holy ground. Take your shoes off. That's not what that means. All right. But the Bible said, how beautiful are the feet. You know, there's a, there's a posture of feet of, that's another topic, y'all. <laughs> but there's a place where your feet need to be in. There's a place for your feet. There's a place that your feet are supposed to be in. There's a place that God has anointed and ordained for your feet. Okay? And I'm going to leave that alone because that will take me somewhere I don't want to go. Let me get back to Habakkuk. I will stand upon my watch. What does that mean? I'm in my place. Sears. Get in your place in God. Okay? Because the enemy can take advantage of you being out of place and use that same gift and contaminate it. He'll send in all kinds of sexual dreams. He'll send in fleshly dreams. And the next thing you know, you've got uh, incubus and succubus coming in at night. Because that realm has been contaminated. You must. God is holy, y'all. Come on now. Stand your watch. Get in your place. And I don't care if you got to lean on somebody. Don't move. Stop moving. <laughs> Be still. Praise God. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower. So this is, I'm in a lookout. As seers, you are lookouts. You're always looking out. You are, listen, you are looking out for the welfare of the people of God. David Sears looked out for the, the benefit of, da- of David. He, they looked out. They were David's lookout men. You know, you, have you ever been a kid? Oh, of course you've been a kid. But have you had a situation where you, you're doing something, you got no business, and you tell one of your siblings or your cousin, hey, watch the door while I get this ice cream or popsicle or whatever. You know, <laughs> praise God, that's what we used to do. But, you know, as, as you know, a seer, that's your job. Your job is to be a watchman, you know, and to look out, look out. And see, what is God saying for sister so-and-so? What is God saying for brother so-and-so? What is God saying for bishop? What is God saying? What is happening? That's, that's what you do. Okay? He said, I will stand on my watch and I will set upon my towel. In other words, he just stood and watched and would not move. I did a teaching on this years ago about, I think in a school, one of my schools of prophets, a prayer, in a, I think it was school of prayer. And I talked about the watchman intercessor and, and just about how they didn't, they would change shifts and you could not sleep. If you slept, you lost your job. You were fired. And you just listen. And when you were fired from being a watchman, you didn't just go home and tell you, no, you had to move. <laughs> you were disgraced. Lord God, thank God for Jesus. Wouldn't some of us be in a pickle? So the watchman, the seer, he would, he would stand upon the watch. Habakkuk 2, 1, 3, read this for yourself. And set up on the tower to watch to see what they expected God to show him something to show. Something. They expected God. When you are a seer, the supernatural realm is supposed to be normal to you. You're not supposed to freak out every time you see a vision like I did. You know, I had a fit disrupted the whole church. 
I disrupted the whole church. Y'all, as I'm talking to you, I just see a whole bunch of butterflies. I have never seen butterflies like that before. Wow, God. So, you know, when you, when you get used to that, um, it's nothing strange. You expect God. You don't pass out and have a heart attack and heart palpitations and sweating. You, you know, it's normal. It's normal. It should be normal to you as a seer to see. That's what you see for. That's what God gave you these anointed prophetic eyes to see. I will watch and see what he will say to me. And then and listen. And the Lord answered me. Hello, somebody. As the prophet, as the seer is expecting God. The Lord said, I'm coming to meet that expectation. And the Lord said, write the vision. And, you know, many of us quote that, write the vision, make it plain, and he may run, and, you know, all that. He said, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. In other words, what I'm getting ready to show you, write this down. Listen, because this may not take place in the next day or the next month, and I don't want you to forget it's very important. There are some visions, like this woman wrote this vision, I don't know how long ago. I thank God she did, because you know what, it spoke to me in my today's season. So there are some visions as seers that, you, you know, also ask God for a scrabble anointing so you can write them down and then go back. Because some of that what God is showing you, some of it is for today. Some of it may be for another season. And God will let you know, hey, go back and open this like you did a Hazarus. Go back over the books. And the Hazarus, he was a wicked king, but he had no sense to hear God to say, go back over the books. And he opened the books up, you know. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie, though it tarry. Wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. So I'm stopping there. We talked about um, seers um, and and just giving you some more insight um, as to what, uh, you know, how you can function in that. And, and, and like I said, don't be intimidated by the fact that you're not as seasoned in it as you would like. Or for those of you who are walking in yourself, keep walking. Keep walking and encourage those who are seers because it is a struggle when, when you know, especially if you're in an, in an environment that is not conducive for seers. Some people say, get on away from me, you crazy child, you know, seeing things, you imaginary people that think you got mind problems, you know, you know, they think you're crazy. Like Eli, Eli told Sammy, go lay down, you know, and, and we do that. We lay down and our gifts have lain down and some of our gifts are dormant. But in Jesus name, you get up and take your bring your gift with you. Stand up, rise up, and bring that seer gift. We need we need seers. We need your church needs you to operate as a seer. Your family needs you to operate as a seer. I, listen, if I would be here all day, I would be here all day. The Lord showed me one time in prayer. I'm gonna say this, y'all. The Lord showed me one time in prayer. This is oh gosh, in the 90s, we were in noonday prayer, and I saw a vision of my grandmother. I saw she was passing away, and I told my mom. Uh, I just, <clears throat> when I saw that, I fell to my knees and I started praying and interceding at that moment. After prayer, I told my mom, I said, we've got to go and spend time with my grandmother. <clears throat> Excuse me. We went down um, to, to my grandmother's um, hometown, spent time with her, brought her back to Charlotte to church, prayed over her, right? Guess what? Two weeks later, grandmother passed away. Do you see what I'm saying? You, your family needs you to see. He needs you to see. There was a time years ago, the Lord showed me that I was going to um, uh, have a miscarriage. And, and it happened. And God prepared me for it. It happened just like it, like he showed it to me. And, and you know, I didn't freak out and lose my mind. And, and God healed me so supernaturally from it that, you know, it, it's not, it's not a, it's not traumatic for me to talk about it. 
God show me. And, and I, I honestly, I don't know why. Maybe the baby was going to have something wrong or, or I, I don't know. You know, I don't know what that looks like. But I know God told me that he said, this child, you, you will miscarry. And I did. But God brought me through it. So God was, and listen, I'd be here all day. I would be here all day telling you about the things that God has revealed to me. Ooh, I don't have time. But what I'm trying to get you, those of you who are seers, you know, those of you that are kind of struggling in your thing, please submit your gift wholly. W-H-O-L-L. Why? Submit it wholly to God because we need seers. We thank God for the prophets and their hearing and their declaring. But seers, what you have is important too. And just because you may not be able to hear God, like, you know, maybe some others, God is still speaking to you, but he's speaking to you out of objects and out of situations and out of, you know, visionary experiences you're you are you are you are valuable and you are important in the body and we need you you make up the parts of the whole body functioning the way jesus christ intended it to those of you who are seasoned seers i commend you to continue and encourage you to keep seeing and sometimes the things you see will break your heart like dan you cry for three weeks god let this not listen to god i've seen some things i cry god please god please let it not come to pass you know, some things were averted. Some things God said, this is, get ready, daughter, because it's going to happen. And I promise you the thing happened. Just, and then people wonder why. Well, I don't see how you made it. I don't know how you, because God revealed it. God revealed it before time. And as he revealed it, he, prepared, he gave you the grace to walk it through. So we love you in Jesus' name. And I pray that my message podcast um, today has been a blessing to you. And I'm growing the grace, um, you all, those of you who are seers, growing your grace. And, um, you know, expect God to speak to you. Cultivate a personal atmosphere in your life where God can do that. Because God is holy. And listen, he's not going to dwell in any place. So cultivate an environment. Uh, I mean, don't go and get weird, you know. But, I mean, cultivate a, a, a sanctified lifestyle that attracts the presence of God so that he will speak to you. And it's not cloudy. Or, or mysterious, excuse me, mysterious or anything, you know, of that nature. And whatever you do, you know, keep doors shut to the enemy. Keep your ear gates um, sanctified because what you hear can influence what you see, right? I gave you scripture. They're seeing and they're hearing. So you want to make sure that what you're hearing is not um, contaminating what you're seeing, all right? God bless you. Until next time, grace and peace.